Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Hey everybody, what's going on? Welcome to another edition of the Auburn Undercover and Inside the Auburn Tigers podcast. I am Keith Niebuhr and I'm joined by Jason Caldwell and Mark Murphy of Inside the Auburn Tigers, two guys that have several decades worth uh, under their belts of covering Auburn athletics and, and really have the insight uh, that they can bring to you all and, and put you uh, behind the scenes with the program as Auburn heads into a big weekend, another big game. Every game's big in the SEC this year with this unique 10 game schedule on Saturday, Auburn goes to South Carolina. Auburn is two and one South Carolina is one and two, but really could be two and one and is coming off of, you know, what you would consider for South Carolina, a big win an impressive win 41 to seven at Vanderbilt guys, just your general thoughts going into this game. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a tricky one for Auburn, isn't it? It, it is. I think it's really, it's a really interesting game. This is a, you know, you look at this season for Auburn and, and physical game against Kentucky, physical game against Georgia, physical game against Arkansas. And you know, when you, you face Will Muschamp, it's going to be another physical game. And, and this is an Auburn team that has, is beaten up a little bit, uh, hoping, you know, they'll get some guys back this weekend and uh, we'll see, you know, what, what the future holds for that on Saturday. But you know, this is a team that's, that's had some, some bumps and bruises so far. And that presents a challenge when you get ready to face another team that, Hey, let's face it. They're going to come right at Auburn on Saturday. And so I think, uh, I think it's a really interesting matchup on Saturday. Yeah, I agree. It looks like it's going to be a close game. I don't see either team blowing the other one out. I don't think it's going to be a particularly high scoring game. My guess is both teams will score in the twenties. You know, Muschamp's team this year has been really good at controlling the clock guys. They're averaging 34 plus minutes time of possession. Auburn's had some issues with that, the first game, Kentucky had a huge advantage in time of possession. Um, against George Auburn, got dominated in time of possession too. So, you know, it's hard to score points and the other teams over there making first down after first down. And another challenge for the Auburn offense this week is South Carolina's number one in the SEC in third down defense. Uh, only 19 plus percent of the third downs are being converted, which is a really unusually low number. Look at the schedules, and, and South Carolina lost in week one to Tennessee by four. Back and forth game. Could have won the game, really. Was, was in until the very end. Uh, lost down in Gainesville to Florida. Had a really terrible third quarter, and I would say the last few minutes of the first half were terrible. But otherwise, played Florida toe-to-toe, and in fact, made, uh, made it pretty interesting at the end. And then, obviously, the blowout at Vanderbilt. After Auburn, they got to play LSU on the road, and of course, Will Muschamp is one of the unluckiest guys ever as a head coach. LSU now has a game postponed this week against Florida. Their quarterbacks heard he wasn't going to play. That gives LSU time to rest up for, for South Carolina. So nothing gets easier. But pivotal game for South Carolina. They've got to win this to have any chance to probably have a 500 record. And then you look at Auburn out South Carolina this week, then at Ole Miss, which has been surprisingly tough despite the one and two record with that incredible offense, and then LSU at home. So you know, it's very tricky, but Auburn could come out of this maybe being four and one playing host to LSU. But 
Mark, you had a story uh, just uh, that you put out shortly before we started recording this podcast about Auburn getting healthy. It looks like wide receiver Eli Stove can play this weekend. Offensive tackle Austin Troxel back at practice. Big Cat Bryant, big one there because they need some pass rush uh, at defensive end. Jalen Simpson, the cornerback who was so good in week one, he's been hurt. Uh, J- Jordan Peters, who had the, the punt block for the touchdown last week, but then got hurt. How healthy is Auburn getting, and how needed is this, Mark? I mean, how how badly needed is this for the Tigers? Yeah, I think they really need it, Keith, because, uh, you know, last week they didn't play a lot of guys normally, especially on defense. There's a pretty deep playing rotation, and, uh, you know, there were 72 snaps defended. It looked to me like Auburn was dragging at points uh, late in the second quarter on defense, late in – late in the fourth quarter, two on defense, except for that last stop where they forced a three and out when they had, you know, they knew that was it. They had to use all their energy just to make the stop and they were able to do that. But, uh, uh, you know, Gus Malzahn also threw in the caveat that, you know, some of these guys might be a game time decision. So uh, uh, it's going to be interesting to see even if guys like Big Cat Bryant uh, come back and play how effective they are because, you know, Auburn has not been really good at rushing the quarterback. And uh, I think that's one of the keys to this game because uh, South Carolina's quarterback, Colin Hill, is very accurate, but he's not nearly as accurate if you're uh, getting him off his uh, target and making him throw on the run a little bit because, uh, um, you know, he's got Shy Smith, a great receiver. He's got some other decent receivers. Uh, but uh, if you make him uh, throw out a rhythm, that could be a problem. And if you let him throw in r- rhythm, Auburn's going to have a hard time stopping South Carolina's offense. Yeah, they're, they're pretty balanced, and we'll get to that in a minute. Jason, Eli Stove coming back. He had a solid first game against Kentucky. How significant is that for Auburn's offense, having that veteran receiver back in the fold? Should he play? I think it may be one of the more important things we see. Uh, you saw the first game, you know, Bo Nix targeted him quite a few times, had a touchdown catch against Kentucky. We've seen without Eli Stove, it's basically been two guys. It's basically been Seth Williams and, and Anthony Schwartz. And, um, you know, some of that's on Bo. Some of it's probably on, on what they're calling to you. But no question that that's a guy that Bo Nix trusts. Um, I don't know that he's found another guy he trusts other than those top two. And, um, so I think getting Eli Stove back, a guy that he knows – he knows where he's going to be. He, you know, feels like, hey, that's a guy that I, I'm going to target more. I think giving you a third option is is vital in this offense. We've seen the last couple of seasons alone um, the difference in one and two receivers, and and then adding a third and fourth with LSU's offense, with Alabama's offense, having that extra guy to defend is is it makes it completely different. And so I think getting Eli Stowe back would be massive for them just because of of that relationship that that him and Bo Nix already have. All right, and this is really for either one of you. I know. I think Jason – actually, I think both of you guys have written about South Carolina's defense a little bit this week. <clears throat> Excuse me. Up front, you know, Auburn offensively has not been great this year, but looked like they showed some signs of progress last week against Arkansas. Now, this week they face a defensive front at South Carolina with Aaron Sterling, Keir Thomas, a one-time Auburn target. Uh, South Carolina's defense is 27th in the country in scoring defense, 25 25- Point three points game. It's hard to believe that's that's considered a good number, but in this day and age, it is. 13th in rush defense, 96 yards a game. 
32nd in pass defense, 20 uh, with uh, 234 yards a game. And as Mark mentioned earlier, third down defense, 19.4% um, conversion rate for opposing teams. That's pretty good. But again, back to the matchup up front, what is the big challenge here for Auburn? I mean, that's a pretty good South Carolina front. I wouldn't say it's a great front, though, but how do you guys think this matchup looks for Auburn? For me, I, I think it's a – to me, I think it's probably a little bit more of a favorable matchup just because South Carolina is not a big defensive front. They face some really big mammoth guys that are hard to move. Um, you know, and, and we'll see, you know, I think for South Carolina, is Keir Thomas back? He didn't play last week against Vandy. Is he full speed when he comes back? But, you know, you mentioned, you know, Aaron Sterling is a guy that can get after the quarterback. Uh, you know, Kingsley Enigbari on the other side, um, Jordan Birch, five-star, the second highest-rated uh, South Carolina recruit ever, a true freshman, only only behind, uh, you know, the freak that uh, that everybody knows, uh, you know, from a couple of years ago. Uh, you know, when you start looking at this defensive front, uh, I think it's one that Auburn can run at. But you know Will Muschamp and T-Rob, they're going to, you know, bring Ernest Jones up, the middle linebacker, who's a really good player. Um, you know, Brad Johnson, another linebacker there. Sherrod Green. And they got some some athletic linebackers. I would expect that South Carolina is going to try to make Auburn throw the football and try to create pressure as much as possible. Yeah, I agree what? because we've seen Muschamp uh, as a defensive coordinator twice at Auburn and have a pretty good feel for what he likes to do. And if he sees a weakness in an opposing quarterback, who's not comfortable back there in the pocket when he's being chased. And he can see what's – that Bo Nix hasn't been real comfortable at times. He's going to go after him. And uh, I expect how well Auburn protects Nix is going to be a key to this game Saturday. Uh, Mark, you know, you mentioned the 19.4% conversion rate for South Carolina's defense on third down. Of course, we should point out that Vanderbilt was one for 11 on third downs last week. I mean, that just seems almost impossible. You feel like you could get lucky and, and hit a couple of plays, but one for 11. But so, so that number's a little bit skewed. However, they, they did play a game against Florida, which probably has one of the three best offenses in the league. Uh, and then Tennessee, which, you know, not a bad offense either. So how have they been able to do this? What, what do you feel like they've done well? You know, I don't think they've got any real weaknesses, Keith. I think they're pretty solid in their coverage in the secondary. Like Jason mentioned, um, they've got a really good linebacker. And they've got a, not a huge defensive front, but it's an active one. And I just think uh, Muschamp is a very good defensive coach. Traveris Robinson, who played for Auburn, is a really good pupil of his. And I think he's a up-and-coming young defensive coordinator. So, uh, you know, if South Carolina had a little bit more overall talent, I think they would definitely be one of the top defenses in the country. Uh, I think they've got good, good solid talent, and uh, it's talent that Auburn can attack, but it just can't go out there and play sloppy football and expect to win. Because Yeah, but – oh, sorry, Mark. Yeah. Sorry about that. Both of you guys mentioned Ernest Jones, the uh, outstanding middle linebacker for South Carolina, one-time Auburn target. In fact, that's really who he chose – South Carolina over was Auburn, so the, the Tigers really thought highly of him, a, a kid from Georgia. When, now, when you look at that, well, actually, bef before, we, before we get to South Carolina's offense, I did want to ask you guys a couple of questions. We thought this would be the year that Auburn threw a lot to the tight end. It hasn't happened yet. Brandon Frazier's been out with something. Um, have we heard, do we know when Brandon Frazier could play again and when that could happen, that we might see some passes to the tight end? Everybody asks this every week, so – Let's go to the experts here. I think Brandon Frazier is going to be back 
mid-season to later from what Gas Mal's on saying. I've asked about him a couple times. And, uh, you know, I'm curious to see if they'll throw the ball a little bit to J.J. Pegues. Um, he was pretty interesting running the, uh, the, the Wildcat formation or whatever you want to call it. Maybe they need to call it the Thundercat when you got a guy who's 6'2", 300 pounds and uh, nimble to say the least. And uh, I think they need to figure a way to get him involved in the offense a little bit more. You know, they could throw it to Luke Deal if they want to. He's a big guy, about 6'6", 250. And we know John Samuel Schenker has got good hands, 6'3", 241, the baseball player also. And, uh, you know, he's been open if they've been willing to throw the ball to him. He's caught a couple passes. but. Hmm. It just hasn't been looked at. All right, Jason, this one's for you. What about Mark Anthony Richard? That's another guy, you know, we heard had a great preseason camp, and we just haven't seen him yet. Is this the week we maybe see Mark Anthony Richard? Yeah, I don't know. I think it all depends on how the game goes. I think that the, one of the biggest issues for Auburn is, is, you know, when you're not getting off the field on defense, it limits your offensive snaps. You know, the first two games, yeah. it's low 60s in snaps for, for Auburn the first two games. And then, you know, week three, they finally got the running game going, but it was kind of a two-headed monster a little bit. Uh, and so um, I think it all depends on the game. If Auburn can get in the flow and, and start to tempo a little bit and, and get some plays and, hey, and get off the field on defense some, and I think Mark Anthony Richards is a guy that they'd like to get involved, but I think it's just been about the flow of the games for them so far. And, you know, heck, they you know they hadn't run it a whole lot until, until last Saturday um, with the running backs. And so uh, – there hadn't been a ton of those carries to go around anyway. Guys, for years, and either one of you can take this, but for years we've heard people complaining about all the substitutions and they're playing so many guys. So many guys are coming in. So many guys are out, coming out. Am I to, did I read this correctly that Auburn only used 15 offensive players last week? And, and if so, what do we make of that? Yeah, they didn't use very many. Uh, Mark mentioned defense. Defense as well. That was probably the fewest players um, – total that played in a game on offense and defense I can remember in quite a while for Auburn but yeah they, there wasn't many offensive substitutions I thought there were a couple more maybe but there were definitely less than 20 total offensive players that played um, against Arkansas and um, you know some of those were just a handful of snaps I think there were a couple of those young wide receivers that might have snuck in late but yeah it's it's kind of interesting uh, they kept the same personnel on the field for much of the game and I think to do that and you know mentioned you know throwing the ball to tight ends. I think if you're going to keep John Samuel Schenker or J.J. Pegues on the field for multiple plays and move them around, you've got to show and you've got to be willing to, to show the other team that you're going to give them the football. Um, because if not, then sooner or later they're going to start to ignore them. Same with Shedrick Jackson. Shedrick Jackson is the guy that plays a ton of snaps, was open a pretty good bit as well on Saturday. Uh, Bo Nick's got to find those guys. And, and, and you, you know, or if it's Eli Stowe, whoever it is, you gotta you gotta let defenses know that you're you're willing to look at more than two guys because if not, then um, it narrows down the focus for a defense pretty quickly. Yeah, Mark, do we know the identity of the offense yet? I mean, we're we've played three games here, and uh, well, we haven't. The team has. We, we've watched, but we've seen Auburn play three games. Do we know what they are yet, or are they still a work in progress? Yeah, they're definitely a work in progress, Keith. The uh, you know the positive I saw for Auburn's offense last week is they had more yards rushing um, in the uh, first quarter than they've been averaging in the first two games. And they had well over 200 yards rushing in halftime. And uh, that's something they really needed to do. And, you know, with the weather as bad as it was, it was going to be difficult to throw the football 
uh, in the first half, and they made the best of that. But, uh, you know, they were inconsistent running the ball in the second half. Um, they did throw the ball some at times and were sort of effective with it. But, uh, I mean, they've just got to get better at everything they're doing. Auburn's completed 56.7% of its passes. That's not what you would expect from a second-year starter at quarterback, particularly uh, in Auburn's situation because there's a lot of good receivers to throw the football to. Um, there were some really good holes to run uh, through last week. A couple times, though, uh, Tank Bigsby had to, like, improvise and uh, bounce it out and go find another hole to run through. So, uh, you know, I think the offensive line is getting better, but I think they're a long way from being a good offensive line. All right, I'm looking at South Carolina's offensive numbers, and, you know, they're actually not bad. First-year offensive coordinator Mike Bobo, um, 27 points in a loss to Tennessee, 24 in a loss to Florida. That, that part wasn't good, seeing as everybody else is scoring on Florida. Uh, 41 against Vanderbilt. And then you look at the individual numbers. Colin Hill, um, you know, he's thrown for, gosh, uh, 698 yards in three games. He's completing 63% of his passes, three TDs, one interception. But the balance – uh, you know, the running back, Harris, uh, 326 yards, 5.8 yards a carry. Now, he did have an 88-yard run in there, so if you take that out, the average goes down. Of course, the other way to look at that is an 88-yard run is an 88-yard run. That's a pretty good thing. So four TDs. Uh, as a team, they're averaging 4.5 yards a carry, which isn't bad when you factor in Colin Hill's minus 15 yards rushing. So a good bit of balance for South Carolina. And, Mark, like you said, they've really controlled the clock this year. I like Harris. Keith, he runs the ball, very physical style. He's a big back, and uh, you better get down low if you want to tackle him because he can run over you and make you look bad. Um, and that is, uh, I think, the probably the, the most dangerous thing I see for Auburn in this game is to, you know, let that guy continually convert third downs, third and shorts or whatever, and uh, keep Auburn's offense off the field. and. Uh, if that happens, there's going to be a lot of pressure on the offense to produce every time it has the football. Now, Jason, last year when he was a true freshman, Ryan Holinsky came in at quarterback and did some pretty good things. And I think a lot of people assume that you know he might be their guy starting this year. But Colin Hill won the job. And, again, 69 of 110, 698 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. He has been sacked ten times, though. And on those sacks, he's um, lost 60 yards. So that's something to keep note of. They haven't done a great job protecting him. He's got a great receiver, although the statistics are a little deceiving. Shai Smith is really his go-to guy. 26 catches, only averaging 10 yards uh, a reception, though. But, what, Jason, what are your impressions of Colin Hill so far this season? Yeah, he's tough. I think that's one of the things you look at him. He's tough. He'll stand in the pocket. Like I said, part of that is the reason why you had 10 sacks. Um uh, it's kind of that give and take a little bit at quarterback. Um, you know, you like to have a guy that can get out and avoid those sacks, but by standing in there, you're probably able to hit a few more passes here or there. But the, the negative is is that you have, a, you know, some more negative plays involved too. Uh, that's what he's seen. And, you know, you mentioned balance. Three games, 110 passes, 110 rushes. Um, that's his balance. Interesting. And, you know, people yeah. think balance might be yards. To me, balance is, is, is the, the plays on each side. And, this is as balanced as an offense as you can get. But you mentioned Shy Smith. You mentioned Mark mentioned a running game. To me, the most dangerous part of this game is they, they'll move Shy Smith into the slot a good bit. That's been the bugaboo for Auburn's defense. Um, how will they respond? How will they, you know, how will they, uh, you know, 
step up to that if, if Shai Smith's in the in, inside? Will they move Roger McCreary or somebody else in there? Um, because that's been an issue. And I looked, and in three games, Auburn has, has, has allowed 14 third and five or longer conversions. Um, you, yeah, it's not good. It's hard to win football games when you're allowing five, basically five of those a game. Um, that makes it tough to get off the field. They got to do a better job in those third and medium, third and long situations. And to me, watch out for Shai Smith and, and, and in the slot. I think that's one of the things that, that, uh, that we'll see a good bit of. Well, Jason and Mark, both of you, either one can grab this one. I mean, Auburn's defense is not really coming off of a great game. Uh, it wasn't great against Georgia either. So, I mean, what do they got to do? I mean, every, every opponent's different, obviously. But if you could identify maybe a couple of things, each of you, where you feel like, hey, they've got to pick it up here. I mean, if we're going to see some real defense from this Auburn team, where do they need to improve the most? And, Mark, I'll start with you. In the first half, I thought they had good pressure on the running game and Felipe Franks, and particularly the first quarter. Uh, I believe Arkansas was 0-4 on third downs. Uh, second half, the pass rush wasn't there. Auburn didn't look as energetic. And, uh, you know, when it stopped raining, to me, if you got to drive football, which is the situation Arkansas had, the offense becomes at an advantage because on a wet field, because those guys know where they're going. And, uh, you know, Felipe Franks was able to sit back there for four, five, six seconds at times and find somebody to get open. And then a couple times he just had some really freebies when um, uh, Auburn went ahead and blitzed the linebackers and, uh, he had routes called for over the middle for just easy uh, 10, 15-yard plays. And, uh, you know, he scored three touchdowns on short passes inside the red zone, which is very unusual for the Auburn defense. So they got to definitely get better in the red zone, number one. And number two, more pressure on the quarterback. If they don't do that, they're probably going to lose the game. Yeah, I'll tell you what, and Jason, we'll get you in a second. But when you, when you struggle offensively in the red zone, and defensively in the red zone, that's a recipe for disaster. But, uh, Jason, your thoughts to a couple areas where you think they really need to improve on defense. Yeah, I think, um, you know, Big Cat Bryant's the guy that, that we pointed to, kind of everybody pointed to as the guy that had the best opportunity to really step up as the pass rusher for Auburn. He led him in pressures last year, even though he only had sack and a half for the season. He was a guy that was getting consistent pressure at a minimum right now, you'd take that. You don't necessarily have to get a quarterback on the ground, but they need somebody that's at least pressuring the quarterback, and they're not getting much of that. Um, so getting Big Cat Bryant back healthy, I mean, they haven't had him all year uh, healthy. And, and so I think that would be a step in the right direction for this defense. Uh, the more you can get pressure with four and, and the less you have to blitz helps you in coverage. And, and that's what we saw last week. Auburn couldn't get pressure. Third downs are having to blitz left linebackers, um, you know, in, in some tough situations with running backs. And Arkansas did a great job of scheming it up. Uh, Mike Bobo is a really good play caller. They're, this won't be a dynamic offense, but Arkansas wasn't either. But what they were is efficient. And uh, I think for Auburn, you got to create some pressure with four or else you're going to put yourself in some, some, some tough situations. Look, you guys are the, 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 the gurus. You cover the team on a daily basis. I kind of read your stuff and do my own thing. But – but with Auburn's defense, I mean, should we not be surprised? I mean, I, I know there was a lot of buildup during the offseason that, hey, you know, the 
so many good players on the defensive line. The secondary could be better. The linebackers, all these guys are back. And granted, K.J. Britt's injured and, and could be done for quite a while. But on the other hand, they did lose a lot of good players. Did, did, did all of us maybe underestimate the value? I mean, look, we knew Derek Brown and Marlon Davidson were great. But, you know, you're thinking, okay, it's Auburn. They've recruited well in the defensive line. But did we underestimate the losses on defense as a whole? And I say we being the media. Well, I don't know about the whole media, but I mean, I've been saying from day one that there was a real reason for concern about the defensive front, yeah. and um, and that's shown up. And uh, you know, they needed some of the new guys to come in, the two junior college players, and they just haven't been a factor yet on the defensive front. A couple of the uh, true freshman defensive linemen have been hurt and haven't been much of a factor either. And uh, and like Jason mentioned. It was important that somebody step up as a consistent pass rusher and Big Cat Bryant has not been healthy this year. So that's been a real issue. Uh, I thought the linebackers were going to be fine, but that was way before um, there was two of them that opted out for COVID and then you get K.J. Britt hurt. And that changes the dynamic in a hurry when you lose three, uh, three linebackers who have been around for a while. and. Uh, and particularly one of those guys, Britt, being a returning All-SEC player. So, uh, you know, it's interesting now they've got two guys on Popo uh, who started and Sokovi McLean who started. And, but behind those guys on the depth chart, they got three true freshmen. Wow. Jason, thoughts? Yeah, I agree. I, you know, we mentioned that. I, I think it's been a mixed, a mixed bag, and people say – is it this reason? Is it this reason? Is it this reason? I just say yes. I think it's it's all of the above. Uh, obviously, you're <laughs> replacing some really good players on the front, but then you know you're counting on DeAndre Butler. Uh, he gets banged up before the season starts. Um, Jay Hardy um, still haven't seen him dressed yet, uh, and then you lose Big Cat, um, and then you know you, you've had some of those situations where at least two of those guys you're probably counting on to play some, some significant minutes, and, and we know how talented Jay Hardy is. He's a guy that's athletic enough to jump in there. We've seen Zykeevis Walker do it. Jay Hardy's a you know 295, 300 pounder that that you know could have helped them out at tackle. So I think it's those things. And then you know you look back there, um, Jamie Sherwood and Smoke Monday have played a lot of football, but Daniel Thomas and Jeremiah Denson played a ton of football. Um, Jeremiah Denson probably the the the, the brains of the operation, you know, there are a lot of smart guys on that field last year. Having a guy that basically could line all 11 players up is such a big deal. And I don't know that, that we're there yet for this defense without, especially without KJ Britt. That's what you lose when you lose him. It's not just a guy that's in the middle of the defense. It's a guy that's lining up everybody, um, making sure everybody's in the right position. And, you know, Zacoby McLean and Owen Popo probably going to get there. But I don't think they're there yet. Um, those guys are worried about themselves doing those things. So who can be that guy? I don't know, you know, if there's a guy right now that's in that spot, in that role. And I think we saw some of that Saturday. Now they got a little chance to maybe take a deep breath and play a game. Maybe it'll help them a little bit more. But I think, to me, the, that's one of the biggest issues is, you know, you you lost – that the, maybe the brains of the operation in K.J. Britt and, and somebody else has got to step up in that role. 
uh, during this COVID era here, you don't get to spend time in the athletic complex and interview players and coaches face-to-face. You got to do it over Zoom, so it's a little bit harder. But I'm going to ask you this, Mark. What do you think Auburn's state of mind is right now? Two and one, a game last week that really could have gone either way. Gosh, I mean, uh, you know, a call goes another way at the end and Auburn loses a game. But what do you think Auburn's state of mind is going into this game? Any idea? Yeah, I think they're probably, uh, you know, ready to go out. The guys on offense uh, probably think that they can do a lot better than what we've seen so far. I think the uh, linemen are probably encouraged because 200-plus yards rushing after averaging 65 in the first two games, that's certainly a big step forward. Defensively, I think those guys are probably a little bit embarrassed, probably a little bit hacked off that they didn't play as well as they, they thought they should. Uh, Kevin Steele, the coordinator, is very good at uh, you know getting guys ready to play and getting their minds right. And I'm sure that they've spent a lot of week trying to get those egos rebuilt and and uh, get them ready to play a game at South Carolina against a team that's certainly capable of beating them. So I think they're going to show up and play well on Saturday. Now, is that going to be enough to win the game? Uh, I think it probably will be, but, uh, you know, if they, if they do something like turn the ball over a couple times or if South Carolina makes a couple great plays, uh, it's going to be tough. All right, when you, um, you know, you look at the overall standings, I mean, even though Auburn has been pretty doggone inconsistent and hasn't played great yet, they're still in contention for a lot of the things. I mean, are they good enough? We don't know. That remains to be seen. But technically, they're still alive. So, uh, Mark, I'm a big fan of the old show McLaughlin group, okay? So I'm going to ask you guys a question here. Scale, scale of 1 to 10 McLaughlin style, the level of importance for Auburn for this game. Zero, and eh, no big deal, just another game. Ten, absolute must win. Jason, what's your call? I think it's at least a seven. Uh, when you look at what's left on this schedule, I think it's it's pretty high. If you're, It depends on if your goal is to try to contend for a championship. I think, I think it's hard to imagine losing many more in a ten-game season and having that happen. So I think it's a really important game. Um, and and I, I agree with Mark. I think the mindset for this team is good. I think they're in a good place um, because I think they realize that they're nowhere cl- close to playing their best football, and they're still two and one. Uh, so I think that has to be a positive for them. Yeah, I agree with the seven zero on the scale Jason mentioned. But you know, if they're serious about you know contending in the SEC West, I mean, every game is a ten point zero because they're a game out of first place, and Alabama's in first place right now. So. I think Alabama could certainly lose this week against Georgia, but uh, Auburn's got a lot of other tough games on the schedule before they worry about Alabama. Yeah, you know, your my eyes, and, and I can't speak for you two, but my eyes tell me this isn't a championship team. However, when my eyes look at the standings, they're still alive, and there have been seasons prior to this one where it looked like Auburn was way out of contention three games into the season and eight or nine games into the season was very much in contention for championships. Uh, so, guys, great stuff. We're going to close with some basketball news. Uh, on Thursday, a huge, recru- uh, huge commitment excuse me, for Bruce Pearl and company, Mark. Sage Tolentino, a seven-foot center who's played his last uh, few years uh, in Honolulu, Hawaii. I don't know how to pronounce the high school, but uh, two-time state champion, you know, 13 points, eight rebounds, three and a half blocks a game. 
uh, Honolulu Star Advertiser, All-State Selection. And that newspaper wrote about this. He was a driving force for the Spartans last season as they repeated as state champions, voted by coaches and media as the Defensive Player of the Year, utilizing his wingspan and shot-blocking skills Offensively, his three-point range and passing skills will come into play as he enters the next level. Unranked at this time, but also I should point out he's a, a, a member of the a, a amateur prospect for the Philippine national team. So he's a well-known commodity already kind of on the international level. Uh, big pickup for Auburn, first commitment of 2022. Mark, what can you tell us about this young guy? You know, he's a legitimate seven feet tall. Uh, he's skinny and – He's a kid that uh, is a good all-around athlete. Uh, he's an excellent volleyball player. His dad is the head volleyball coach at Mary Knoll High School, where he attends, which is a private school in Honolulu, a, a powerhouse sports program there. Um, he's a really smart kid. He's played a variety of sports. He's played soccer. He's played baseball. He's played uh, football. He has played uh, – one or two others, I think, from talking to his parents. And uh, it's funny, his mom was joking with me about, uh, she told him he wanted to play indoor sports because it's too hot to go out and watch him play outside in Hawaii. And so she, he said, all right, I'll play volleyball and basketball, which are indoor sports. And uh, he'd be a heck of a, uh, a guy to have on his dad's volleyball team. It's seven feet tall out there as a, a middle blocker, middle hitter the position he plays and uh, recruited by some really interesting schools, uh, Kansas, um, Kentucky, Cincinnati, and, uh, and others too. And uh, he just turned 16 in the spring and, uh, uh, you know, watching the video of him, he has got really good feet. He's got a nice shooting touch. He's a really good free throw shooter. And uh, he's the kind of guy I think would be, a really good fit on what Bruce Pearl does because he likes his big guys to move around and, and be able to shoot the three. And this kid can certainly do that. Uh, you know, talking to his dad, he said that he's, his son has played basically every position in a basketball game other than point guard. Well, he's, uh, yeah, he's something else. You watch his video. One of the couple things that stand out, I love the passing ability. And then a few times, Mark, you see him just step out with ease and shoot three pointers. So he looks like, looks like he's got a lot to offer. So for Auburn, just in the last week, uh, they've added Sage Tolentino, seven foot center class of 2022. And, uh, last week, the number five prospect in the country for 2021, a 6'10 power forward, Jabari Smith. Bruce Pearl's gone big, and it was just a few weeks ago that Auburn lost, lost out on a five-star point guard, J.D. Davidson, but Bruce Pearl and company, just amazing. It's a machine over there at times. You lose one guy, so what do you do? You turn around a week later, you land a five-star, and then a week after that, you land a, a guy that's <laughs> going to be on the Philippine national team someday. So Bruce Pearl pushing all the right buttons right now. Mark, it's, it's quite incredible to see, isn't it? Yeah, he's a high-energy guy. He's got some good assistant coaches who can recruit. Wes Flanagan was the primary re recruiter for Tolentino. And uh, uh, it's just a fun program for me to cover. And, and uh, Jason can tell you that, too. He's over there. And when we can, watch practice a lot and go to the games. And, uh, you know, having the experience of getting to cover the team, going to the Final Four, it's one of my favorite things I've ever done. Uh, as a sports writer, and uh, you know, I'd been to three Final Fours for the Auburn women's basketball team. That was a long time ago, and certainly wasn't 
the same type of big stage as uh, going up to Minneapolis uh, for that Final Four two seasons ago. Yeah. All right. Well, that'll do it. Thank you, guys. Uh, that's it for this edition of the Auburn Undercover and Inside the Auburn Tigers podcast. You can find us on Apple iTunes. Make sure you subscribe so you'll get the alerts when new podcasts come up. And uh, everybody have a fun and safe week. Auburn versus South Carolina Saturday afternoon in Columbia, South Carolina. We'll do it again soon. We'll recap the game and uh, be back with Mark and Jason again next week. Take care, guys. Thank you. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.